friends. My name is Femi Olafioye Amagbeni, and I am the host of the Femi O Podcast. I am passionate about centering Black women's stories, and through this podcast, I'll share things I've learned from my own story of Black womanhood, undoing internalized racism, embracing self-love and acceptance, and just generally trying to figure this shit out. My hope is that as you listen, you'll see yourself reflected, feel less alone on your journey, and maybe get a laugh in. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, let's get into the episode. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Femio Podcast. I am your host, Femio Lafioye Amagbeni, and I'm here with my friend Tola, and we are going to start talking about the Meghan and Harry documentary on Netflix that aired last week and just finished this past week, two days ago, whatever time is. Anyway, I will let Tola introduce herself to you people and then we'll get into it. Hi everybody, I'm Tola, I'm Femi's friend. I don't even know what else to say. I guess we've known each other now for, I don't even know, maybe like four or five, four, like five years? Four or five years? Yeah. yeah wow. Pink That's but crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so lovely. So honored to be on this podcast. You know, I'm a long time Listener, first time caller, I guess, in this situation. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, everybody, Tola is just like a brilliant and beautiful person. So like, we're all going to have a good time. We're all going to have a good time. Okay. So Harry and Megan, I feel like I should give like a little mini synopsis, right? So people know what we're yeah. talking about. Basically, everybody, if you have not somehow heard about the Harry and Megan documentary, Harry refers to Prince Harry of Windsor, uh, the royal family, Princess Diana's second son. He married Meghan Markle. Um, again, if you somehow don't know about this, I don't know what to tell you. But he married Meghan Markle. She is a mixed woman, black, and um, it caused a stir. <laughs> it caused a stir some years ago. And so there's been a lot of drama. Uh, they have left the royal family, but I believe retained their titles or retained his title. I don't know. I'm not so sure about that. Anyway, um, there was drama. They left. They now live in California. And there were a lot of things said about her throughout that time, about both of them. There still are. So they wanted to document that entire period of their lives and put it together and create a documentary to just share the story from their point of view. And it aired on December 8th and December 15th in two parts, three one hour episodes each week. So it just ended this past week. And yeah, okay, now back to you, Tola. What were your impressions? Why did you want to watch it, etc.? Yeah, so I actually was a little hesitant to watch it initially. Um, seeing the trailer, I just thought, this seems like a rehash of what we already know, to be honest. I did watch the Oprah interview a couple of years ago. That was honestly peak television. It was so <laughs> It was peak. It was like, yeah, as we were watching it, sorry, just to interrupt. I was like, as I was watching it, I was like, this is a moment in history. Yes. Like the group chat was going wild. Going was- crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is really going to add anything, but I saw these tweets, honestly, it's what inspired me. Just, I mean, you were just so effusive about their relationship, which I think you know, obviously we assume they love each other. The fact that they're going through all of this, it has Mm -hmm. to be because they feel super strongly about each other. But I wanted to get, I guess, more of a peek into their relationship and see if there were any added 
dimensions to the story, any new details. So why not? I have a Netflix subscription. (laughs) (laughs) I got time. I got time. Why not? Why not? You know, it's trending. People started talking about it on, you know, Twitter, on TikTok. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I like to be part of the discourse, I, I guess you could say. So I watched it. And my initial impression, the first part, and the second part, there were definitely some surprising moments, which I wasn't anticipating because, you know, I thought it was going to be the same old thing. But there were some new nuggets of information that I thought were notable and I knew, like, could be interesting for us to think about. Mm. You know, we don't know them as people, but to think about in terms of large ideas around race, uh, large ideas about the media, monarchy, etc. So... Overall, glad I watched it. It was fun. They're cute and cheesy in some ways, I they must are. say. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was a fun watch. Yeah, I, I love that like take on it. I feel like a lot of people came from that position with it. And I even feel like I kind of had a little bit of that before watching it as well, because I was talking to another friend about it and like she had her own like position on it right and like as she was telling me her position I was kind of agreeing I was like background on me friends I am a recovering Anglophile like I used to be up in the royal family you saw me at 3 a.m for William and Kate's wedding I was with it and uh, like since starting my own work of like anti-racism and undoing my own internalized racism and understanding like where I come from in my own personal history my mother being Nigerian which was a colony of Britain, you know, and all of that, like I've since taught myself to care less about the royal family and to really kind of see the truth of them being harmful. Like it's oppressive. There's no, somebody on Twitter said something about how like monarchy and liberation are like indirect odds. Like you can't have them together. Right. And so I have been like undoing that at the same time, Princess Diana will forever be my bitch. Like that's, (laughs) I'm, I will forever be in love with her. And like, because of that, I will forever take to her sons as well. Even though like William has really been disappointing me recently. Like, and we'll talk about that because what we need to bring up, I'm gonna write it down. So we remember is who you think said the babe, how dark is the child going to be that question? Right. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It, it, It was clear from the beginning, but anyway, in even just watching Harry and William, like grow up Harry's always kind of been the like wild child you know the like rebel he doesn't have to do the things that his brother has to do because he was never like in the direct line like for the throne like yeah that's the backstory on me and them like I've always loved them also I like gingers like that's also just just for everybody you know what I mean I just it's a curse I think I inherited it from my mother it's fine but like love them already and like when he married Megan and like the whole thing happened, I was like, I was here for it. Like I just supported them, you know what I mean? Throughout the whole thing and was saddened by them having to leave and like whatever. didn't really quite understand what was going on, but like understood that he was trying to protect his wife. And when the Oprah interview happened, I too was like, all right, so we got the story. Like, that's it, you know? Finding out that they were doing this documentary, going back to talking to my friend, I was like, yeah, like, I don't know. It feels a little bit like we are rehashing the same thing. We're beating a dead horse. Like, what is the point of doing this? 
even though I do love these people as much as I can not knowing them. And so like, yeah, I was also hesitant. It wasn't like immediately add to my list, like countdown, whatever. I think I didn't even watch it until like that following weekend or something. Cause I was like bored. And then as soon as I turned it on, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm here. Like, <laughs> I'm in love with these people. Like I'm so, and I, I'm glad that they did it. Like I understand more why they did it after having watched it because it's true. Yes, we got that Oprah interview, but we didn't get to see like a step-by-step recounting of what happened to them. That is important. Like not only for us to know as the audience, but even just as someone for you to share for like you being like in a situation like that, just to be able to be like, this is what happened to me. You can do with it whatever you want. But like, this is my story, you know? So yeah, at the end, I mean, obviously, Tola mentioned my tweets. I was, I was emotional. (laughs) I was emotional about it. And I mean, like, I was going, I am going through my own like situation with regard to like relationships and love and wanting to be loved and wanting to be protected and feeling like maybe that's not in the cards for me. And that's a whole different podcast. So we don't have to talk about that. But, you know, just seeing, like, it's, like, at once inspirational and, like, heartbreaking and, like, all of these things, like, watching these two people who are so in love. I think that's the, like, biggest takeaway that I get watching them interact is, like, how much they orient to each other. And I think Megan even said that in the documentary that her and Harry are really good at finding each other in the middle of the chaos and remembering, like, oh, it's you. Like, it's the two of us. So yeah, I'm like, I wanted to take that in. I want to watch that. Like, I thought it was so beautiful. And anyway, glad I did it as well. (laughs) Okay, so like, what would you say then, Tola? I think you mentioned like, there were surprising moments or there were like, yeah, like what what stood out to you, I guess, like in watching? Yeah, in the first half, I think the most notable moment for me was Doria, Megan's Mm. mother. Mm -hmm. When, you know, she has her interview and she says, you know... Now, in hindsight, I think I wish I could have gone back and had, like, essentially a race talk with Megan when she was younger. I didn't do that, and I, essentially, I regret it now. And, I mean, shock, like, (laughs) jaw drop, like, oh, you know, I think we all assumed. We saw Doria. She is, you know, very obviously phenotypically a black woman. Mm -hmm. She has dreadlocks. She has a nose piercing, I think. And Mm -hmm. so you're just automatically like, Oh yeah, she gets it. She's a black woman who grew up in America who presents as a black woman. So obviously. So when she confesses to not actually preparing Megan for the realities of the world, when it comes to race, I was shocked. I think a lot of people, (laughs) prior were like oh you know a lot of people came for Megan I think in not recognizing her blackness and not really you know whatever and truly holding on to that I'm biracial claim Mm -hmm. which she is and I think it's fine but still not really understanding once people you know start reading you as black what those implications could be Mm -hmm. so that was really surprising I remember Megan also I think in the also in the first half talks about a racial incident that happened when her and her mother were leaving a concert and someone called her mom the N-word and they just don't say anything. And just her mom is obviously, you know, upset. Affected. Mm-hmm. Affected by it, you know, non-verbally reacting, but they never have an actual conversation about it. And so, 
Yeah, that gagged me. <laughs> yes. No, I, I hear you with that. And I was thinking about that too, because someone tweeted that they felt that part was so cringe. The part where Megan said, I've never been treated like a black woman. Like, so I didn't know like what it was like. And I thought about that. And I, I, cause I also had a reaction when she said that, like, I was like, Ooh, like that feels really fucking weird. Like, but at the same time, like when I thought about it, I was like, I feel like I can relate to that in like, so with my own story, right. Of like growing up, hating my own blackness and like really internalizing racism. Yes. Really internalizing racism and really like having it show up in, for example, not ever being attracted to dark men, like of any race. I was like white men only blonde hair, blue eyes. If you don't have that, like we're not talking. And like, I feel like the way that we react to hearing Megan say, I didn't know like what it was like to be treated like a black woman is the same way that we would react to me saying I used to exclusively date white men because I hated myself. I could, I guess, find some like grace there because it's like, we're unlearning some shit. And like, I think it is really interesting. Like you brought up too, that her mom didn't have that conversation with her because I think as black people, we just expect that to be done. And I wonder about like, you know, all these different factors, the fact that her mom is a boomer, I guess, like, right. That would be her generation. Like maybe like the timing of everything. I don't know. Maybe she. My biggest yeah. hypothesis is the California of it all. Mm. Not no shade mm-hmm. uh, as a California girl. Shade us, please. <laughs> yes. But, you know, as a Southern black person, I don't understand it at all. Even someone boomer generation, Southern person, probably that's the generation that was. They'd know better. They would know. They, they would be they even more. Really experiences they were you know desegregating schools like mm-hmm. yeah they would have had a lot of racial trauma that they would have passed on not passed on but like warned their children about in terms of like how to move in america and her mom is not from california from what i remember but I do get a sense. Uh, no shade to anyone who's like black and from California, but I do get a <laughs> I'm from I'm black and from California. And speaking from the delegation as an ambassador, you're fine. <laughs> There's just sometimes I think a sense that California is this post-racial liberal bastion, like post-racial, like everyone's equal, like utopia. Mm-hmm. And I was watching another like YouTuber person who kind of did some just Wikipedia-ing of Doria. And I believe she was part, like, I think she and Megan's dad got married at some like center for, you know, love and peace and unity, like something like that, the kind of woo-woo. And I was (laughs) like, maybe that's also part of it. Like who her mom is as a person, someone that didn't really want to engage so much with racial trauma and believe that there was better. Yeah. I would bet money that her father has at least some point in his life said, I don't see color. Like, I feel like that's the environment that we're, that we might be, (laughs) you know, that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't even know if Doria said this in the interview for just like internet people talking, but it just feels like she had her baby saw how light her baby was and was like, Hey, 
maybe we got away with this. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe we're going to be all right. And you know, what's interesting is that like, I kind of think that she would have been all right, quote unquote, had she not married into the fucking most racist family. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like this discussion of Megan and Harry is so much bigger than the two of them. And I think that's why it's so important to discuss because it's like, it's not just about, oh, royal, like, spoiled kid marries, like, somebody undesirable and, like, throws away his inheritance. Like, these are discussions about interracial marriage, about racism, about colonialism, about mental health, about, like, lineage. Like, it's just so, there are just so many things encapsulated in this one story. And I'm like, literally, yeah, if she had married literally anybody else. She probably would have been fine. She probably would have been fine. Yeah. Alas. I think you're right. <laughs> but one thing, though, also, you know, everyone comes in with their own baggage. So seeing pictures of Megan when she's young, mm-hmm. that hair, that's not white passing hair. At all. Even now, no, even now, like, if there were shots in the documentary where, like, she's got her hair just in a bun and it's, like, curly. And it's, like, yeah. that woman is yeah. black. Like, she's clearly black. Yeah. And also, can I just say, sorry, I'm jumping in, but... I'm like, I also get surprised sometimes when like mixed people, not that I don't believe them, like, cause I've seen people do it to them, but when mixed people are like, yeah, people didn't know that I was black. Like how people didn't know that Mariah Carey was black. Like they thought yeah. she was Latina or something. I'm like, it feels very clear to me that Megan is black, that Mariah Carey is black. That You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, continue. <laughs> no. Yeah. That it's funny. I saw someone else on Instagram talking about like, just trying to decode her hair. And like, I think it's a keratin treatment. I think Lol. she has some uh, extra tracks in or whatever. Her hair always looks great. The press on is pressing on. Girl. Or not press on. The press. What's it called? Silk the, press. Silk press. The silk press, press is pressing. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah, I think you're totally right when you say there's so many things like that this relationship kind of brings to the forefront. Mm-hmm. I think for me, something that I thought even back when I saw the Oprah interview, that something that bothered me actually about them, to go to the negative side, mm-hmm. was how eager they were to be a part of the monarchy in a way that they, that would modernize it, quote unquote. But what I would think would modernize it in a way that would be insidious in a way. They're like, you know, they keep saying this thing of like, Megan looks like the Commonwealth percent of the Commonwealth. This is like the perfect opportunity. You know, people are going to fall in love with her. I'd love her. And we can continue, you know, oppressing them. (laughs) (laughs) And they'll be happier about it because now one of the masters looks like, (laughs) It's cool now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a little bit scary. I mean, these people are not radical. I think we should all also accept that. Amen. <laughs> they were not trying to radically change the system. They're not trying to bring no. down the monarchy. Not even a little bit. Enough, yeah. Ironically, in the monarchy not accepting them, they might have accidentally done it anyway. Or, you know, they have that part in the documentary when they talk about Barbados removing the queen as head of state and they connect it to Harry and Meghan. I'm like, well, 
I guess they did something. They weren't trying to. They were not but... trying to, but they did. No, literally, like, I think that's such an excellent point because, agreed, like, they're they're not radicals. They were trying to actively maintain status in the royal family. And, and, not, and I'm not faulting them for that either. I, I mean, like, I am in the way that, like, being in that family is trash. You should all leave. But they were <laughs> – it should be dismantled. But – it's what they were trained to do. Like he never thought that he was going to leave the UK and Kensington palace. She married him and was like, cool, I'm leaving my whole country life behind to join this thing, you know? And like even them leaving it. Yeah. It wasn't about like sticking it to the system and like whatever he was worried about his wife. That is why they left is because he, she was ready to kill herself and he was like, I can't have that happen. Like, I literally can't have that happen. If I need to leave this system in order to keep her alive, I will, you know? And so I'm like, I think you're right. It's like all of this kind of happened by accident. And like, even to that point too, I was thinking about, so I don't know how you feel about fate or destiny. Please, if you, (laughs) for those of you who can't see her, which is everybody, she just did like a little jig. It was very cute. But I please throw in any ideas you have about, like, those two wild-ass concepts. But I don't know where I feel about it. But I do think that sometimes there are things <laughs> that are doomed. <laughs> there are things that are cursed. And I feel like it's so interesting with the royal family because it's like, okay, so, for example, like, the monarchy. The fact that it exists, I think it is not long for this world because I feel like just humanity in general – has tended towards liberation. Life tends towards liberation, right? So I'm like, the monarchy is not going to last, I don't even know how much longer, but at some point it will come down. And I think sometimes when things are doomed or cursed, no matter what you fucking do, like it's gonna go the way that it's gonna go. And I think about that in terms of that uh, conversation or argument around like, here was this missed opportunity to have Megan kind of fortify the hold that the monarchy had and they fucked it up. They fucked it up. Why? Cause they're cursed. And that's, that's how I feel. That's how I feel. But you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I think that's, I think that's just so interesting too, that it all just kind of happened by accident. Like none of this was really intentional, but it's the way it's going. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I don't know how I feel about fate and destiny <laughs> mm-hmm. or stuff either. But it, it, there is something when you look at it narratively, when you look at Diana's story, you look at Harry and Meghan's story, there's so many parallels where it does feel like something's going on here, you know? So yeah, I, I connect with that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think they're going to last very long either. They, um, I, they can't. Like, it's just, people are asking too many questions. Like, the fact that every <laughs> fucking day, everybody's like, why are we paying for them again? You know, like... That it's going down. Just one other point I wanted to mention, though, yes. is some people made the point that Harry was looking for any opportunity to go. Mm. Uh, I do totally agree with you that he wanted to protect his wife. I do at the same time think like he was not having a great time mm. being, you know, Prince Harry. Like his place in the family, I, it's just so odd. The whole, the whole thing's so odd. Like, mm-hmm. the dysfunction, the oppression, obviously, that they have towards you know, all these people, Commonwealth, whatever, subjects that, you know, they are better 
appointed by God and are therefore better than all these other people in the world? I mean, obviously no, (laughs) but the oppression that happens within the family itself was such, I think, a burden on Harry's mental health. I mean, I think in the Oprah interview, he said, like, this is bad for them. They just don't realize it yet. But yeah, I don't think he was having a great time. I don't know if he would have jumped at any, you know, opportunity, but he definitely felt strongly enough for Megan. He didn't want the past to repeat itself. He's mm-hmm. so he's really aware of his mother's story. And I was thinking about that too. This is kind of a tangent, but please. <laughs> she died when he was very young. Yeah. He was like eight or nine or something. Yeah. yeah. She wasn't able to tell her story to him. Mm-hmm. That makes me really sad. I almost started crying right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like she wasn't able to say, warn him, guide him, you know, and he's still trying as clearly made an effort to learn those lessons and not have them repeat. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kudos to him. I think he definitely gained some points <laughs> doing all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Prince. I love him. I was him. a kid. I was team uh, Prince William. Not going to lie. I thought he was cuter when I was Oh, kid. absolutely. Absolutely. Thought I was also team William when he was around like 16. Um, yeah. And something changed. What? I want them both to get uh, hair transplants. I I, I'm curious about that because I'm like, isn't there something we can do? Y'all are... <laughs> I mean, hey, everybody live their life. Y'all are, I mean, I was going to say y'all are both fine. That's not true. Harry's fine. Harry's fine. William is doing his best. But like, yeah, I'm like, y'all are like part of the most powerful family in the world. There's got to be something that we could, yeah. But you're right, you know, it's your body. You should do what you want. Do what you want. Both your wives seem to be down. So, hey, who am I to say? In need of some new shoes? Nisolo is a shoe brand that pays living wages to factory workers, intentionally employs women because they know that supporting women supports communities, and combats fast fashion with sustainable fashion. Their shit is cute and well-made. A pair of sandals I got from them are still holding up after three weeks of walking all over Europe. If that's not craftsmanship, I don't know what is. Check them out at the link in my show notes. Yeah, I think there is a lot there just regarding like Harry, even without getting to hear his mother's story. And also like, I feel like the biggest thing, like, I think it must be difficult that the biggest interview that she did, she was swindled into, you know? And so I feel like that colors even that piece of information that you have about your mother. But even with the little that he had, I feel like his efforts to protect Megan and to like keep that from happening again. The other thing that I thought was so interesting, there are two things that I have in my mind and I'm probably going to forget one of them, but I'm just going to go with God here. The other thing that I thought was so interesting in watching the documentary was that I think I forgot that the initial response to Megan was good. That like she was initially like excited and welcome or like people were excited about her. They were welcoming her and then got like quote too good at her job. And I feel like, again, this family is just so fucking interesting because it's like the patterns are so clear. Like, it's like, (laughs) I just, the patterns are so clear. The even like royals marrying American actresses is a thing, royals marrying divorcees is a thing, Uh, abdication is rife in there. The person who is in the spotlight not being 
like well suited to handle the spotlight is in there. Like it's just so interesting also because obviously I've been watching there. Do you watch The Crown? Do you <laughs> I watched the the season before the last mm. uh the Diana, the beginning of the Diana story. Mm. I watched the most recent one. Though. Okay, okay. Anyway, yeah. So that's like it's just it's just very interesting the way the patterns are so fucking clear. And I feel like, yeah, that that pattern of someone marrying in or someone else coming in who is not supposed to be as I think Harry put it, the main role, they're supposed to be the supporting actress or actor mm-hmm. and coming in and upstaging the people that are like supposed to be in the spotlight. And then that spawning a lot of jealousy and like things like that. And I'm like, just don't suck then. I don't know. Like, what if you just, <laughs> what if you just sucked at your job less? And then you wouldn't have this problem and you wouldn't have to tear somebody down. It's all, like you said, doomed. I, because your job, what is your job? Your job is to be seen. Walk outside, That's shake some hands. Your job yeah. is to just go out, you know, kiss some babies, Literally. shake some hands. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they point out when everything turned was when they all together go out to, I don't know, some event. Uh, so, oh. maybe, yeah. I was going to say, was it Australia? Because it's always Australia. That, <laughs> sure. it's even Australia. Yeah, it's always Australia. It but fucks there's them a up. point where I think the queen is there, Kate William, like all of them are there. And the headlines were about Megan instead of the queen. Right. Like the queen didn't get as much. And then on top of that, Australia was a, like really when things started to shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's so like the whole relationship with, with media. I think I understand a little bit better. Yes. Through this documentary. And let's talk about that because what the fuck? <laughs> Yikes. Like, to put children through that, the clip of Diana went on the ski trip and she's like, can you guys just like leave us alone? Like, that's so sad. And how consistent it is and like how you're born to be looked at. Mm. Like, you're literally a baby. That's your job mm-hmm. to just looked at. And that entitlement that, well, I guess it's, I'm of two minds. The public feels entitled to you, you, your attention, your visibility. At the same time, they are kind of paying for it, literally. Um, so that's weird. Yeah. Uh, and again, <laughs> why the monarchy should not exist? Because like exactly. this, nobody, you're nobody should be made to be a paid dancing monkey in a cage. You know what I mean? Like that's just not human. It's not human. It's not good it's for not, anybody. It's not human. It's not freedom it's not like autonomy mm-hmm. um and i think that was kind of the first step that harry took like okay i don't want to be supported by the public i you know whatever yeah monetarily um, i don't want to monetarily, yeah, monetarily be. Mm-hmm. so that they don't feel like they need to know everything about what's going on in my life mm-hmm. but then even when they weren't people still felt entitled to know what was going on mm-hmm, and- mm-hmm. That is so wild to me. And it seems like their press offices, like Williams press office or whatever, like that is also a really big drama that's happening behind the scenes and them selling stories to one up each other, or like divert attention or cover up things. And I'm just like, Ooh, the chaos. Girl. I don't know. It feels like the narrative is like, Oh, we don't control. We don't know what they do. Like it's just, it's out of our hands, you know? 
But I feel like the vibe that I got at the end of the documentary is that, like, there's actually a lot more control that they have than they're willing to admit. And I feel like you could try to throw your weight around and, like, change the narrative. If you don't like the way that you're being reported, if you don't like the fact that Megan's on the front page and not, like, you or whatever, like, I feel like there's a way to throw your weight around that's not tearing her down though. Cause that's what it turned into. Right. It was like, we started, as she said, like she was getting fed to the wolves because um, they were trying to minimize. And I thought that was interesting too. Cause I was like, it's true that I had not heard really any gossip about Kate or William or any other Royal, like that whole time that Megan was like in the frenzy And it wasn't until she got out that I'm starting to hear rumors about, like, William and Kate, like, he's cheating on her, whatever. I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, (laughs) I don't know what's happening there. But, like, I just think that's so interesting that it's like, oh, wow, you guys really were, like, standing on her so that you guys could float. Yeah. That is, it's disgusting. And the other thing that I noticed, too, about the documentary was they kept kind of pointing out the ways that would try to go along with what they were advised to do, like put something in writing that they felt unsafe doing, but they were like, okay, we're trying to do things the way that you want us to do it. And then it kept getting leaked out to the press. I'm like, so they were really setting you up like the whole time. Like what? Oh my God. You know what? It's funny because I feel maybe this was (laughs) the whole point. But there were these huge parallels, I thought, between the drama having Megan's dad and sister and then Harry's dad and brother and that side. Mm. It's like, okay, on one hand, you know, the press is paying Megan's dad to like do all this random stuff and the sister's like Samantha feeding girl. all these like weird Samantha girl, what is wrong? <laughs> girl, I need you to find a therapist <laughs> and God, because what is the problem? Are you okay? No. Um, But yeah. And then on the other side, you know, I mean, they have that whole story of Megan writes her dad a letter. Oh yeah. Twenty what? Twenty twenty? What? Twenty nineteen? We're writing letters. Okay, sure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then later on, Harry's dad is like, "Oh, put that in writing. Put that in writing." I can't do anything unless you put it in writing. So it's like it's the same. It's a fucking setup, bro. Yeah. It's a fucking setup, bro. Wow. Because it makes, you know, obviously they're paint, you know, you see Megan's family. It's like, oh, you know, white trash. But it's like the white trash is also in. Girl, in the royal house, in the palace, on the throne. Look at this. Oh, my God. Um, okay, was there anything else that stood out to you? I feel like I had the other thing and I yeah. lost it. Or maybe we talked about it. But go ahead. You talk. Who is the Tyler Perry of it all? Oh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> Oh my God. How did we even, in my mind, I was like, okay, so we're wrapping up. (laughs) There's nothing else to talk about. That's false. Tyler Perry and Beyonce, girl. Okay, go ahead. Mm -hmm. I mean, wow. This is the thing that I think prompted us even connecting. Yes. Conversation was when I was watching that part and I texted you and I was just like, the way black people show up for each other. Mm -hmm. Unreal. It was beautiful they didn't even know each other didn't know each other when i was listening to that i was like listening to the part where they had their first phone conversation and she just sobbed yeah as i was like listening to that, i was like wait so did y'all know it did it <laughs> you know i was like because that interaction is so 
strange, but then also I think maybe Tyler Perry was the one saying it when it's like, or maybe she was. Anyway, somebody said when you're talking to a stranger, sometimes it mm-hmm. feels, you feel more free to just like let things go, you know? So I was like, okay, so they really did not know each other. Crazy. Crazy. And I just thought, and then even, you know, the Beyonce text and mm-hmm. like, even when you see the black people showing up at the wedding, it's just like, oh. the truth is, it didn't seem like there were very many black people in her life mm. prior to all of this. Like, you know, Serena Williams pops up as like her really good friend. And I was like, can we talk about the origins of that relationship? I still am unclear. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when things really got real, it was black people that, you know, were sending her prayers, but also taking action to protect her. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I, I'm just even thinking like, imagine like Prince Harry, a full prince, needing a favor from this like black American director. Like it's just so random and who was homeless at one point. It's just like all so mind blowing. The story's mind blowing. Yes. That came out, I was already like, what? Yeah. Tyler Perry factor into the story, but Girl, he does be Medea. So generous. And I mean, I made a joke. I was like, when are we going to see Megan in a Tyler Perry movie? <laughs> that of course will never happen. I think, but I guess one thing I want to push though is, is this like celebrity black people? They do kind of feel like separate from the rest of us. Uh, oh, you mean like, yeah. Celebrity black people versus like regular black people. Yeah, in terms of the community and show, I mean, I do think on a you know day to day basis, black people are probably one of the more communal yes. like groups. Yes, but yeah, like offering your home to someone you've never met—that's wild. I mean, um, I do think that there is a certain level of like we're not, maybe not going to gain access to that like status. You know what I mean? Because it's like Tyler Perry is like a black billionaire, like we're talking Beyonce, we're talking the Prince of England and his wife, you know what I mean? So it's like, sure, yeah, I think that there is economics that are at play that also separate like those people from us or from other like regular black people. But I think it's still, like you said, like we're still communal, even in our like different classes, I guess, you know what I mean? Like it's still, it still pops up. Mm-hmm. I was getting like major nativity vibes. Like when they're on that plane, <laughs> when they're on that fucking plane, I think, I think Harry called it the freedom flight or something. Oh I was like, not Joseph running with his pregnant wife away from Herod. Oh my God. No, wow. it was major. It was major. Like, <laughs> And then they're, like, in this, like, gorgeous, like, compound, and it's, like, quiet, and you can, like, see them just, like, being, like, people for the first time. I also thought it was, like, interesting, too, they kept repeating, like, six weeks, and it was, like, six weeks until... I also thought it was interesting that Harry mentioned that when they moved to Canada, it was also six weeks before the Daily Mail found out, and I don't know what to do with that information, but something is... It feels too coincidental. Six specific weeks. Anyway, yeah, like I thought that it was it was unique that they kept repeating. Like we had six weeks before they found out. And like I just, and even Tyler Perry mentioned like calling in every day being like, 
are y'all good? Like, did they find out? Like, you know what I mean? And I'm like, can you imagine like living like that? And then even on the other side of it, when you are discovered having helicopters fly over, having drones fly over, having to build a fence and people are tearing through it to get to you. Like, I just, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm like, I, I don't know like what it's for. I, I feel like I understand there's obviously like a motivation of money because these people get paid a shit ton of money like if they get the photo. But also I'm like, but there's got to be, and I felt this with Diana too, like there's got to be a line, right? Like there's got to be a line. I don't know. That was wild. And it's just like, it's not like Tyler said, there are other celebrities that live here, mm-hmm. but I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. So That's crazy. Wild. Wow, the nativity thing. Girl, Joseph, Mary, and, and the baby. The holy baby. <laughs> <laughs> Running for their lives. Oh, my wow. God. Those poor people. Wow. Okay. I mean, I think something that also was beautiful was just, like, these kids are privileged in a way that, you know, William Kate's kids will never be mm. in that have the freedom to just run around and be kids. Harry yeah. has the freedom to Ooh, be a George a dad is fucked. Really wants to be. Yeah, George oh, is George, George is fucked. Damn. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to that little man because mm. but yeah, I mean, you know, just like their candid shots, walking down the beach, riding bikes. It was just like, oh, cute. Yeah, yeah. I know at the end of it, I feel like I was like, it did end like on a happier note, honestly, at the end of the fifth episode out of six, I was like, how are they going to bring this around? Because it is dark. Like we are, we are in the dark and they did, but it's still like, obviously it seems like Harry is happy. Like in California, he doesn't regret the decision that he made. And I think like everybody likes to say what dead people would say if they were here now. But I really do think that Diana would be proud of him. Like, I, I really do think that she, had some protection or covering or like whatever. I think she's been present like through this whole thing. And like, I think it was just, it was beautiful the way that it ended, but it also like was sad because it's like, there is a break and not even just from him and his family, him in the UK, like him and his brother. I think that's really painful. Like, because after Diana passed, I think there was like such, they like clung to each other as they had to, right? Because it's like, you are the only other person in the world that knows what I'm experiencing specifically right now. And I think that was very clear to all of us watching them grow up. And I think like watching William change into, I guess who he needed to be and needs to be to be the future King has been like kind of sad because it's like, there's already been breaks there. And then with all of this breaking even further, like, and then that final scene of like, I think Harry just driving around. I'm just like, you lost your brother kind of in this, you know? And like, and even that moment, I think it was also towards the end of the documentary when um, they were talking about Megan's suit against uh, the media, the daily mail, somebody, somebody about like publishing that private letter from her to her dad and Williams like press person or whatever submitted himself, took it upon himself to go give some evidence that nobody asked for. Nobody needed him for. And if I'm Harry, like trying to process that level of betrayal, like it just would be so hard. And at the end they tried to be like, Oh, the Duchess of Sussex also asked 
this man to come forward. And I'm like, are y'all really trying to play in our faces? Like we <laughs> saw, you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, we saw the reaction that Megan had when she found out the news. I don't think that anybody's that good of an actress. I really don't. Like she looked pissed and was ready to talk shit about William, but was like, that's your brother. <laughs> Let yeah. me take myself to the other room. <laughs> so I don't say shit. You know what I mean? Like I just, I, oh, it's wild to me the way that the Royal family thinks that they're getting away with this. Like, cause I'm like, we see you, like we all can see and it's not looking good. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not at all. I guess for me, I'm just wondering like, where do they go from here? Uh, I hope they felt some closure from putting this out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious about, you know, what other projects they're going to be doing now that they have to um, work. work for the money. <laughs> ah, they got to work. Mm-hmm. I listened to a couple episodes of Megan's podcast. It was pretty good. Mm, okay. Yeah. And I'm sure they're going to come out with so many other things. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they just have to get this out of the way so that they can like tell other stories. Yes. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Yes, absolutely. Last thing. I just want to hear any final thoughts that you have. That might've been it, but feel free to share anything else that comes up. Also, we have to just discuss the question, even though we both know the answer. Who do you think asked that question? How dark is the child going to be? Yeah, that was William. (laughs) (laughs) So fucking clear. Can I ask, how do you, why do you think that? Tell me what your reasoning is and then I'll share mine. Because I didn't know much about William before all this started, like all the Megan Harry stuff, like past couple of years and just like small little things I've been coming out about William and it, Sus. Yeah. It's suspect. Uh, very suspect. <laughs> and then just from black British people I follow, they're very confident it's William. Mm-hmm. So like, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, okay. When he first told us that that was a question that was asked, which number one, hilarious fucking question, because I'm like, have you seen, <laughs> like, do you see the color that Megan is? Do you see the color that Harry is? Like, and then obviously, yeah, look at the children. They're white. They're actually quite white redhead even they said lily has blue blue eyes i was shocked i was like oh my god girl a whole ginger but like when he first dropped that bomb i think at the oprah interview is when he first like mentioned it i immediately was like it was fucking william because because at that time i think the tension between him and his dad felt like really hot and i think that he had said some other things that made me think were it his father he would not hesitate to out his father. He was so protective about who said it. I was like, this is somebody with something to lose. Philip is on his way out. He doesn't, (laughs) you know what I mean? That doesn't even matter. King Charles, he's already mad at him. He would say it if he wanted to, because like he doesn't care. But William is about to be the future king and still has a little bit of a reputation to protect. And I think that he was trying to protect him. And that to me is just so, cause like you were saying, like I, I, you didn't know like that much about William. And obviously like, I also don't know that much about William, but again, there's a lot of projection happening on my part from princess Diana to William and to Harry. It just so shocked me at the time that like princess Diana's son would ever say something like that. I just am so disappointed. And I think I tweeted that like last night or something. I was like, y'all, what happened to William? Cause he used to be cool. I thought, <laughs> but something went, something went terribly awry. Damn. 
Anyway. This my last thought is I got the I don't know if you got this sense, but mm-hmm. I got the sense that Harry was a little bit more articulate about race than Megan was mm. in reflect their own experience even. Mm-hmm. Did you get that sense? Okay. Like Well, he pulled it out. He said the words. Okay. Like, Okay, everyone in the royal family obviously gets all these headlines, but this is different because it's racialized and that makes it a problem. Yes. And whoever says that explicitly. Yes. So maybe it's like he also has the privilege of being able to just say that straight up and she doesn't. I think it's layered. I think that is in there. I think that it's just so interesting and not interesting. It's actually like quite sad. But like when you're when you're the subject of racism and you are on the like the receiving end of it, right? Versus being the privileged person that gets to learn about it in like a cute college setting with all your words and your vocab. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like sometimes you guys can experience the same thing and it's harder for the person who like experiences it personally against their body to say it or to like articulate it, right? Because it's like, these are my feelings. I'm even just flashing back to that moment of that uh, Megan talked about with her mom getting called the N-word and it just, it came out an expression in her body, but she didn't say anything, right? Like, I think that it doesn't surprise me. Like, I don't know if that word, maybe that word is right, like articulate, but I'm like, I do think that Harry had more words around the situation because he's been learning. Like, he doesn't have to learn through experience, right? He's learning all the words. And so it makes sense to me. And also that, plus what you just mentioned of like, he has more freedom and privilege to discuss it because it doesn't affect him personally. I think that would lead to him being able to say, throw those words around more freely, right? Like, whereas if it's like affecting you and your body, it might be a little bit harder to come out, even though you are experiencing it more intimately and you know the experience more intimately than the person that is like talking. Yeah, Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that there was that dynamic for sure. And also I feel like I would just like to, I don't know how to say this. No, I'm going to say it. Whatever. Fuck it. I was going to say, like, I want to commend Harry for his work in anti-racism. Like, and I know we're not handing out brownie points to people for doing the fucking bare minimum. And that's how I feel. Like, I really am like, Harry is doing what he should be doing. He's doing his job, you know? And I, but I'm just grateful to see that because there are so many white people, especially in places of privilege, who are not doing their job and actively working against their job, what they should be doing. And I'm just like, if I were marrying a white person, I would want him to approach anti-racism the way that Harry is, you know, like, I think that's what white people need to be doing, but here we are with that. Anywho. Okay. I think that's about it. Right. Like we (laughs) covered all the things. (laughs) Thank you so much Tola for joining me. This was so much fun. Did you have fun? Yeah, I had so much fun. This is great. Okay, thank you all for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Y'all know where to find me if you have any questions or you have more discussion. Like, love you all. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of the Femio Podcast. Before you go, don't forget to follow, rate, and leave a review. If you want to stay in touch, find me on Instagram and TikTok at Femio. To support Femio and the Femio podcast, you can visit paypal.me slash Femio. Talk soon.